The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Hi there, and happy holidays to all of you. You know, this whole idea of peace on earth is not something we talk about very frequently, is it? We talk about it about once a year, and this is about that time, when we begin to say, well, you know, peace on earth, and wouldn't that be nice? And we get all misty-eyed, and we say, you know, oh, wouldn't it be nice? And we long for that possibility, but we don't really consider it's real. As a matter of fact, we think that just about the time that pigs fly, that's about the time when we'll have peace on earth. Well... We're going to think about that today from a different perspective. We're going to consider something actually rather radical in terms of our traditional motifs and our traditional thinking, both secular and religious. We're going to consider the possibility that maybe we could have peace on earth by establishing peace within ourselves. So let's talk about that. First, I want to tell you a story. Once upon a time, many eons ago, in a garden, a metaphorical garden, by the way, called Eden, a place that seems very far away and distant from us, but is actually right next to us. In fact, it's inside of us. We discovered something interesting. We came here in the beginning of our history. However, you, your religion, your belief says we came here. Somehow, we got here. And once we were here, we were placed in, according to the Christian religion and some others as well, in, and uh, of course the Jewish religion, um, in the Garden of Eden. And in that garden, there were two trees planted. One tree was the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and the other was the tree of life. And uh, something within us, be it God, some, of course, your religions, our religions say that it was God that said, don't eat of that tree of knowledge of good and evil, because if you do, you're going to die. And nothing at all was said about the tree of life. And so what happened, of course, is we ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil because we were curious, because that was what we were here to do. For some reason, we ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. What was that? What, what is the knowledge of good and evil? Well, first we have to understand knowledge, and, we, and then we have to get with what is a, a purpose behind a, a particular behavior. If we eat something, we incorporate it. We incorporate it into the body-mind. It's a metaphor for taking something in, receiving something. And what we received at that moment was a thought. T- trees, according to Charles Fillmore, represent thoughts. Charles Fillmore is the guy who wrote the Metaphysical Bible Dictionary, by the way. 
Um, and so uh, trees represent, we're going to say trees represent thoughts. Okay, well, so here's the thought of knowledge. Now, how do you have a thought of knowledge? Well, you have a thought of knowledge by, by assuming that you know something. And so we began at that moment to assume that we understood good and evil. Good and evil meaning that there's a split between these two, two diametrically opposed concepts, good and evil. And they are concepts, and they are different, if you think about it, different from every culture. Every culture on the planet has a different idea about what good and evil means, although there are some basic ideas uh, that are similar. If you kill somebody, that's considered to be pretty bad. If you kill several somebodies, well, that's even worse. So um, goodness is a little bit less easy to define um, because we tend to think of goodness as whatever meets our own needs. If, I'm, if you're, you're good if you're taking care of me, in other words. You're, good if you're doing what I need you to do, which is a really interesting concept of good. But also, goodness is, you know, kindness. We recognize kindness. We recognize when somebody's being um, compassionate. We, we recognize these things, and those things are considered to be good. And so we have some general um, agreement, archetypal agreement, about what this means. But the deal is that we can't really define them except in terms of each other. You're good if you're not being bad, and you're bad if you're not being good. And so they need each other to, to be defined. Okay, so, all right, so what happened there, going back to our story, in the Garden of Eden, which is a place inside of each of us, is that we assumed a knowledge. We incorporated a knowledge of a split. The split was between two very different concepts. And on the one side of, that con- of those concepts was considered to be the divine. The divine lived in the goodness category. And the, in the evil category, well, that was everything that wasn't divine. And in some religions, there's even a Satan, uh, a devil, a Beelzebub, a, uh, you know, all kinds of different names for this entity, supposedly, uh, supposed entity that's supposed to be, represent all of evil. So now we have these personifications that represent these two, this split. On the one hand, the personification of God, who is all good. On the other, personification of Satan or something of like nature that represents all bad. And so now we, we, are, uh, we have identified variant parts of ourselves and projected them out onto a supreme uh, being that is good and a supreme being that is evil. And now we have split ourselves even further. So assuming the knowledge of good and evil is assuming a split psychology. We split ourselves into a duality state. In the duality state, there are two different ways, two different things, two very opposite poles, two, uh, two different ways of being, behaving, acting, thinking, etc. And so in, in the middle, there's a deep chasm. There's an empty place because we don't go to the middle. We go to either or. We go to good or evil. When we do something we can categorize it as either good or bad. And bad, you know, we think generally we think of evil as a um, exceptionally bad, but I'm going to use the term synonymously because they may be by degree different, but otherwise they're very much the same. Um, so now we've assumed a duality. We've astu- assumed a state of duality. On top of that, what we've done is we have assumed that because we didn't, 
we did eat of the tree of knowledge when we were supposedly told not to, that means that we must be on the evil side. And God, the divine, the good uh, entity, supernatural entity, is on the other side. Now the split is complete. Now God's out there, separate from us, and we're down here, and we're bad, and we're struggling to get back to God, but we don't have a clue how to do that. Okay, so this is the story. Now, in our traditional religion, in Christianity and in, in Judaism, and in some other religions as well, the, the idea is that we had uh, something called an original sin. We, when we ate of that tree of knowledge, we disobeyed God, and therefore we sinned against God. I see that differently. I see that when we incorporated the knowledge of good and evil, what we did was we assumed the earth's mission. We came down here, came here, to accomplish a mission, and the mission was to discover what it would be like to imagine ourselves separate from the divine. And we've been on that mission ever since. And we've made all kinds of decisions out of it, and we've made all kinds of um, agreements with each other out of it. We've made all kinds of negotiations with the whole concept of life and death out of it. And so we live in this, what I would call, a trance state of duality. In this trance state of duality, we are, uh, our brains, our minds, cannot consider any other possibility except that we are separate from God, the divine, whatever you want to call that. And so we don't. We don't consider that possibility. We live in a state where we are, we absolutely are, in our own minds, separate from the divine. And anyone that you know who would say, I am God, I am divine, would be considered to be not only blasphemous, but in this day and age, a little bit crazy. So we don't say that. We don't want to say that because that makes us crazy. That's how far askew we've gotten from who we really are. Because the truth is that only divine beings could conduct such an experiment. Interesting. I want you to think about that. Only divine beings could, could, would be brave enough, smart enough, um, safe enough to conduct an experiment of this nature that says, I'm going to have a whole earth experience that includes every person on this earth, and all these persons are actually one but they're going to feel like they're separate from each other, and they're going to feel like they're separate from the divine. And in that process, we're going to go all the way through to the nth degree of what it's like to believe ourselves separate from the divine. And then we're going to start coming back to, wait a minute, that doesn't even make sense. It doesn't make sense that I'm separate from the divine. How can I be separate from the divine? Well, we're going to talk about that a lot during this, uh, during this episode. But what... What is important for us to grasp during this segment is the idea that the assumption of duality was always a false assumption. It was always one we incorporated and assumed as if it were true when it was never true. It's, as if, it's the same thing that I see a lot of times in therapy, and I want to be real clear here. What I'm talking about today is not therapy. What I'm talking about today is spirituality. So when I talk about the authentic self in therapy, I'm talking about an entity that we can tap into that gives us peace and uh, can carry us to our highest goals in life 
when we talk about it from a spiritual perspective, we're talking about the same exact thing, except that now we incorporate the spiritual component as well, which is always a part of the authentic self, and there is absolutely no way for us to connect to a divine being without recognizing our own divinity. So, so from those two different perspectives, it's the same thing but has a different spin on it when we talk about um, spirituality. And we're going to talk about it some more right after the break. Come back and hear more about how we can establish peace on earth. This is Andrea Matthews, and this is Authentic Living. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T. It's a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earn my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit A-I-H-T dot E-D-U. All my love. When I found out my jeans were made using child labor in sweatshops, I wrote a letter to the company saying, reconsider your labor practices. A few months later, I get a letter back saying, thanks for being a loyal customer, and they included a coupon for a 25% discount on their jeans. So I got smart, wrote letters every day to all the stores that carry the brand, asking them to stop supporting the companies who use child labor in sweatshops. And I just kept getting letters back, thanking me for my concerns, and more coupons for more discounts on more jeans. So I'm telling my friend about it, and she flips out, saying that between all the letters and coupons, some paper company cut down a small forest, driving off two indigenous tribes, hundreds of endangered animals, killing thousands of plant species, some of which may have contained vaccines for HIV, cancer, and syphilis. Meanwhile, the guys cutting down the trees are 13-year-old kids who will work night and day for months just to save up enough money to buy a pair of jeans made by child labor in sweatshops. Saving the world isn't easy, but saving a life is. Just one pint of blood can save up to three lives. Visit bloodsaves.com to learn more. This public service announcement was brought to you by the Ad Council. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. 
Okay, welcome back. Um, this is Authentic Living, and I'm Andrea Matthews, and today we're questioning the possibility of peace on Earth. Um, it's about the right time for that, don't you think? Holiday season is when we think about that. Last segment, what we talked about was the story of how we assumed a position of duality, of separation from the divine. We talk about the divine as if it's an entity, and I, I wish I could change that language. My, my mouth wants to say the divine, but actually it's divine without a the. There is no definite article there. And the energy is everywhere. The way Rumi puts it is, you are not just a drop in the ocean. You are the mighty ocean in the drop. And that is uh, so profoundly uh, true that we see ourselves as separate. We're, we're small. We're finite. We're separate. We're bad. We can't have or do the right, quote-unquote, things. We are uh, incapable. We're limited. We are um, basically uh, just small little pieces of dust down here. We live a short term. We die, and that's the end of that. And that was the book of Ecclesiastes, Slam the Door. Um, that's that's the, the, the downside of, of the biblical text, Ecclesiastes, and to, to look at that book, you would see a very depressed man or woman, whoever wrote it. Uh, and, and, you know, when you look at it from that perspective, it really comes off as ringing true that we are alone here, that things are pretty random, that um, things happen by coincidence. Uh, synchronicity isn't synchronicity at all. It's rather just a coincidence. And um, our, we, we got here out of some um, strange coincidental phenomenon that just sort of popped us up out of the soil, and here we are. And we're separate, in, and, and not, there either is no God or no divine, or uh, we definitely are separated from it. So that's a pretty gloomy existence. Now, how do we expect to create peace out of that? Well, we just won't. We won't. We won't believe in the possibility. We won't endeavor to create it because we don't believe it's possible. Okay, so given that, let's consider the alternative. And here's the alternative. Again, here's what Rumi said. You are not just a drop in the ocean. You are the mighty ocean in the drop. And the truth is that the authentic self is the closest thing we have to our understanding or our connection with the divine with divine, um, and it actually is that mighty ocean in the drop. The authentic self is both contained in the ego, and the ego is contained in the authentic self. So there's sort of concentric circles there that sort of circle back against each other in some kind of paradoxical way. When we think in, in New Age, New Thought, there's a very similar motif to what we find in traditional religion. The motif is, my ego is bad. It's stupid and limited and finite and all those things I mentioned a little while ago, and it's bad. It doesn't know how to do anything right, and it's afraid all the time, and it keeps me, holds me back. Okay, so that's, that's the idea of ego in the New Thought, New Age movement. T- the t- typical idea. I don't want to say everyone has that thought, but... Um, the, re- the way I'm looking at it is a little bit different, and that is that the ego is a substructure of the authentic self. It's a way of sort of uh, liaisoning with planet Earth. Liaisoning, is that a coined word? Um, it's a way of, of connecting with planet Earth and learning to speak planet Earth language 
while we live in the divine nature. And um, so ego is not something we need to get rid of. I've said this several times on the show, and we've had several other guests who've also said the same thing. Ego is not something we have to get rid of. That is being perpetuated out there in the same way that in the traditional religions we hear that the bad part of us needs to get gone. It needs to be um, pushed away, sent away, uh, forgiven and, and, and not behaved out of anymore, which amounts to a lot of repression. And it amounts to the same exact thing in uh, New Age New Thought movement when we say that the ego is bad or limited or wrong or finite or all those things. It's just a substructure of the authentic self. So you can imagine, if you can imagine sort of the Russian doll thing, the authentic self is the, the circle on the outside or the, the doll on the outside, and within it is the ego, and the ego is also our face and persona, so there's some sense of, of, of the same shape of the doll outside, the same face and shape of the doll outside is on the inside as well. Um, it's, a, it's a difficult concept to sort of wrap our heads around, but the idea is that not even the ego is separate from the divine. There is nothing that is separate from the divine. We are not a drop in the ocean. We are the mighty ocean in the drop. Okay, so if that's true, then we can organize and orchestrate peace. But because we believe in duality, even from the, the idea of the New Thought, New Age movement, we believe so much in duality. We believe that we are not divine beings. We must somehow connect with the divine. And what I'm saying is we're already connected. We just don't know it. Okay? That's in some places, and if I were saying that in some audiences, that would be an extremely radical concept, and I might even be stoned, <laughs> because it's blasphemous. It has been, and since for centuries, at least since the time of Jesus, considered to be blasphemous for us to consider ourselves as divine beings. And yet, from the very beginning, in that Garden of Eden, which again is inside of us, not outside of us, not in a place far, far away that we don't know about and it's disappeared off planet Earth, but inside of us, uh, in that place, we, we were created in the image of the divine. We were a mirror image of the divine. And so, if that is true, then how could it be that we're separate from the divine? And there's a lot of ifs here, and I don't have the answers for everybody. I can only tell you what I've come to understand through my own journey. And so that each one of us has to take his or her own personal journey to come to your own, his or her own um, understanding of what is the divine, how do we define that, can we define that? Can we put something that um, tremendous and uh, all-absorbing and all-inclusive into words? Well, I'm not sure we can. But one of the things that I, I understand from both biblical texts and other sacred texts is the idea of fire, sort of an all-consuming fire that burns within us all. It's a light that never goes out. It's a light that continues to shine all the time, and we get little glimpses of it. Everyone on this planet has had little glimpses of some kind of uh, understanding of the divine, even if it's walking by a sunset and noticing it or um, smelling a wonderful smell for the first time and going, oh, wow, that is so beautiful. That's, that's an um, inner resonance with something that is true, something that is beauty 
and uh, beauty is a part of the divine, or a part of divine. I'm trying to leave out that definite article. Um, so, what we're talking about here is the possibility that we have an essence that is divine. Now, if that's true, obviously what we are, 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 are current mission might be, if we choose to accept it, would be to find that, to recognize that, to see that. And seeing is everything. What we see right now on planet Earth is a lot of duality, a lot of death, a lot of horror, a lot of war, a lot of sickness, a lot of uh, sadness, and yet, and yet, hope springs eternal, doesn't it? We keep having babies. We keep getting married. We keep uh, uh, um, fighting through and resolving issues and solving problems and uh, allowing our genius to flourish and coming up with all kinds of amazing uh, health and uh, uh, technical evolutionary inventions that help us all evolve as a species. So we are still in a thriving state in spite of the fact that we have also created death, illness, war, and all kinds of other things that are pretty difficult for us to understand, all kinds of betrayals. And in fact, all of those things, as I view them, are self-betrayals. They are betrayals of the idea that we are divine. They are betrayals of who we really are. They define us in a wholly different way. They define us as, again, limited, incapable, sick, small, finite, etc., etc. So we have created these things out of that duality trans state. We have created death. Yes, I'm saying that. That's a radical concept. We have created death out of our imaginings that we are separate from the divine. And if that's true, if that's really true, then perhaps one day we will evolve to a place where we no longer die. Now, again, I know that I'm saying something really radical, and a lot of people out there could be going, this woman is nuts. But hear me out. What if that were true? Just play with it for a second. What if it were really true that we could absolutely establish peace right here on Earth just because it's in us to do? Not because we suddenly get good. You know, you think about that a minute. If we get good, what's going to happen is the other polarity is going to spring right back up sometime. Because getting good is all about repression. And we're going to talk about that some more in the next segment. But getting good is all about that whole idea of I'm going to push that bad thing away. And what happens? It goes down for a little while, and then it pops back up again later. So, no, I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is the possibility that if it's true that my authentic nature is divine, then how could I not create peace here on Earth? How would it be impossible for me to create peace here on Earth? How could I miss that mission? How could, I, how could I not create peace? So, all right, so what would that mean? Would that mean uh, there's no more evil on the earth? Well, yes, it would also mean there's no more good on the earth because the, the whole idea of good and evil is an assumption. It is, is a, an incorporated idea that says, let's play this out. Let's play this drama all the way out to its bitter conclusion that says, Okay, we're split off from the divine, and there's just no hope for us. We're headed for doom and gloom. It's interesting. Um, now, we talk a lot about 2012, and uh, uh, some of the people that believe in New Thought, New Age, believe that that's going to be a time of evolution 
for us mentally, spiritually, and emotionally that we're going to take on new awarenesses of who we are, whereas uh, the secular world has taken it on as being the end of time, the doom that we've all been waiting for forever, and that therefore we have a movie coming out to, or that's already out 2010, I mean, excuse me, 2012, that is telling us all about Armageddon and the doom that's, that's been prepared for us since the get-go. And so we turn things, we twist things, because we believe that we are separate from the divine. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about the separation and then talk a little bit more about the hope of peace right after this break. This is Andrea Matthews, and this is Authentic Living. Back in just a moment. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh! Uh. There you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T, with a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earned my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit A-I-H-T dot E-D-U. All my love. What can you tell me about SkillsUSA? SkillsUSA teaches you employability skills. So you know how to deal with people, you have teamwork, your resume is going to look awesome. Well, it's important to know your technical skills, but not only that, to have soft skills, the skills of learning how to communicate with people. web at skillsusa.org. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free. 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. 
You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Welcome back to Authentic Living, brought to you by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. And, you know, I want to tell you just something about that school. This is an interfaith college that offers all kinds of exciting, interesting courses. You should look it up. You can hear my radio show on that site, um, www.aiht.edu. But what I want you to understand is that this is a school that offers to help you fulfill your dreams to help other people and help yourself. To, to make your life what you want it to be. And uh, so I would really encourage you to check it out. Okay, so we've been talking about the possibility of peace on earth and is it possible, is it feasible for us to even consider it, even once a year, why bother, right? So what we've discovered so far is that uh, we've been telling ourselves a fairy tale that we started when we first got here that says we assume a position of separation from divine. We assume that we are separate and that we cannot be connected, um, really totally connected until we die and go to heaven or until some, some, uh, something else happens beyond this life. Um, we can, uh, by some traditions, be uh, forgiven, but we can't ever really totally be absorbed in the divine until we're after we die, after we have gone. And that's a mythology that's been perpetuated by traditions. And in the New Age, what we've discovered, in the New Age of New Thought, what we've discovered is that we still perpetuate the idea of duality by assuming that the ego now, not Satan, but the ego is the bad guy, and we need to get rid of ego and be totally absorbed in soul and mind. Um, And what I'm saying is that we don't have to get rid of anything. We don't have to get rid of bad parts of us and try really hard and strive after being good. Uh, one of my favorite texts from the Bible is, Cease striving and know that I am God. And I interpret that, and this is my interpretation. You don't have to agree with it. Of course, you don't have to agree with anything you hear on this show. But my interpretation of that is that if we cease striving, we discover that we are divine. And if you think about it, think about meditation. What happens in meditation is that we are um, tapping into those inner recesses where we find peace, where we find bliss, where we find, uh, another word for bliss, joy, where we find light and guidance and understanding and people get all kinds of um, enlightened, uh, enlightened leadership guidance through meditation. Um, and so... That's a point where because we have ceased striving, we're not thinking, we're not trying, we're not doing anything, we're just sitting there. What happens is we discover that we are divine. Now, a lot of people would come out of meditation and say, that's not what I'm discovering, Andrea. That's not at all what I'm discovering. What I'm discovering is peace inside of me. Well, okay, I say those terms are synonymous. Divine and peace are synonymous. Divine and joy are synonymous. Divine and nature is synonymous. Divine in my ego is synonymous. There is nothing that is not divine. Okay? So now I I promised in the last segment we were going to talk about this whole notion of repression and how that works into um, this whole idea of duality. Here's how it works. I don't want to think that thought or I don't want to know this thing about me 
or I don't want to discover this thing about the world, or I don't want to feel a certain feeling. And so I just say, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to feel that, not going to think that, not going to have that, not going to do it. And that happens so far back in my brain that I don't even know that I'm doing it. And through my own meditation, what I've discovered personally is that there's a little button, there's a little thing inside me that says no. I mean, it says this loud, harsh no. And it's, it's deliberately saying, you're not going to feel that. You're not going to think that. I don't want to do that. No. And I can feel it and hear it inside of me. And that's when I know I'm in repression mode. And so I say, okay, I hear you saying no in there. You know, and so I want to discover what is you're saying no about. And so I just sit with it. And eventually I get what it is that I'm trying to repress. Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it's... Um, some noodle of information about myself that I didn't really want to know, my ego really didn't want to know, but there it is. There it is in all its glory. And what I have begun to discover through this process of really just sitting with whatever is trying to be repressed is that um, the thing that I want to repress, not so bad after all. It's really just a part of me that's been trying to cope with my notion that I'm separate from divine. And that's really all it is. It's, it's, I'm trying to cope with it. I'm trying to handle the idea that I'm separate, I'm alone, I'm stuck here. There's nothing I can do about it. Just do the best I can and get on out of here. You know, it's a pretty bleak uh, perspective. But that is, on, at bottom, what, we, what duality is all about. So when I'm repressing something, if I can sort of sit with it and just let it appear in front of me so that I can see it, then what happens is, A, I'm no longer repressing it, so I feel a lot less tense because repression is a form of anxiety. It actually, I won't say it's a form of anxiety, it's a creation of anxiety, um, um, so that we, we um, live in this very tense state. It's interesting to me that we talk so much today about how we live in a high uh, anxiety technical world where we uh, spin off of our technical stuff with a lot of anxiety. I think our anxiety started way before that, and we created something external to us out of it. Now, I'm not saying that technical uh, information and the Internet and all that is bad, because I don't believe it is. I think it's one of the glories of, of our existence here on, on, on this planet. But uh, what I am saying is that uh, the state of anxiety has been perpetuated for centuries, and it is based upon the idea that if I try hard enough, I will get rid of all of my badness, and I will become a good person, and then I will be a spiritual person, and then I can have all the things that I want. You know, next week we're going to be talking to uh, an interesting author, Dr. Shelley Kerr, and the name of her book is uh, Having the Life You Deserve. And the idea is that uh, we deserve a good life. And that's a concept that, most of us really don't really entertain much, that we deserve a good life. Most of us can think of billions of things that we've done wrong or, or attitudes that we've had that were not great or um, uh, quote-unquote sins that we've committed or uh, ways that we have lived that are not from the highest uh, part of us. And we don't think we deserve much except some bad karma. And as a matter of fact, the notion of karma itself has been uh, dualized, if you will. It has been turned into a concept that says, okay, you did it bad in this life, you're going to get your punishment in the next one, so just hang on. 
And my idea of karma is not that at all. And I'm not alone in this idea. There are several others who agree with me, but or I agree with them. But the idea is that karma is just sort of the evolution of our uh, understanding of who we are as divine beings. In other words, if I'm living in this life uh, in a certain way, whether that's, okay, let's say I'm blind to something, I'm not very uh, social, I'm a pretty cold, hard person, I'm making this up as I go, um, and uh, so I experience that fully. I experience what it's like to really be cold and hard and to miss out on what it's uh, having a, a warm and fulfilling connection to other people. I miss that completely. So when I pass trans transition in from this life into the life that is beyond this life, um, I look back on this life and I go, oh, hey, look at that. That's, that was an interesting experience. That was an experience that said, you know, don't be with people. You can't connect with people. You'll be afraid. Don't trust, all that. And so maybe in the next life I'm going to come back and I'm going to try out what it's like to be either completely social or to ha- be related to somebody who's completely alienated from me. Um, what I'm doing is increasing my experiences so that by that experience I'm becoming more and more aware of who I am as a divine being. That's what I think karma is. Karma is not punishment. And the idea of karma as punishment is a dualistic idea. So you see, no matter how hard we try to get into a, a concept of divine as oneness and wholeness, it's extremely difficult for us to wrap our heads around that. We convert everything that... that uh, smacks of oneness into something dualistic because that's what we understand about ourselves. We are separate from the divine. There is no way to not be separate from the divine until we have passed through some kind of uh, experience on earth that has either forgiven us or saved us and then we can go on to heaven or in, in uh, the fundamentalist uh, radical ways of thinking. It's, um, there's a heaven and a hell. Um, there, there's also... Uh, if you do the right uh, fundamentalist things in terms of like blowing up the trade towers, will that get you to heaven? So what I'm saying here is that we have, I'm going to use a term I'm coining, dualized so many things that it's very difficult to wrap our heads around this idea that, yes, we are one with all things, and in fact, we can create peace on earth. And we're going to talk about that in the next segment. Come right back and listen again. This is our last segment coming up. This is Andrea Matthews, and this is Authentic Living. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. Over there, over there's the water. Whoosh, whoosh. And look at all this stuff I'm standing on. It's called sand, and it's everywhere. This woman may sound silly to you and me. It's made up of little tiny pieces of rocks. Teeny little pieces of rocks. But to her two-year-old son exploring the world around him, (laughs) she makes perfect sense. How does it feel when you touch the sand? Is it warm? Uh Uh-huh. It's hard to hold in your hand, isn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. Learning starts long before school does, and children are naturally curious. They want to learn, so follow their lead. Take simple, everyday moments, like sorting laundry or playing on the beach, and turn them into learning moments. Is this water? No. 
Very good. This is sand. Oh, no, no, it's not food. It's sand. We don't eat sand. Turn everyday moments into learning moments. Find out how at pornlearning.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T. with a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earn my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit AIHT.edu. All my love. America is facing a skilled workforce shortage. Skills USA can help. What is Skills USA? Skills USA is life changing. Skills USA is awesome. Skills USA is one of the biggest opportunities life can give you. Skills USA is amazing. Skills USA is motivating. Skills USA specifically prepares you for the workforce. Skills USA empowers students to connect with a network of people, starting with their classmates, to their advisors, to other people in their states. Skills USA allows students to connect with business and industry, to manage their education, and to really get a feel of the real world. I'm doing something now that's going to be applicable in the real world, and those skills are going to be useful today in school and in five years when I'm working and for the rest of my life. On the web at skillsusa.org. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back with the final, episode, final segment I'm sorry, of uh, the Authentic Living show today, and we're talking about the possibility, the feasibility, in fact, of whether or not we will be able to establish peace on earth. We've talked about how we develop the mythology of the, the idea that we are separate from the divine and therefore cannot have peace on earth. We've talked about how we, um, we repress information about ourselves and therefore stay out of touch with very important information that we need to have about ourselves. 
We've also discussed uh, the idea that um, we have perpetuated this um, dualistic framework into every endeavor. We, we live uh, out of money instead of living out of divine energy. We live out of uh, uh, a sense of isolation or connection with other people instead of recognizing that we already are connected with other people. You see, those are some of the ideas. So, okay, we're going to use this last segment to talk a little bit about how do we establish peace on earth. Well, the way to establish peace on earth is is to find it within ourselves. Each individual that uh, becomes aware of him or herself as a divine being is uh, bringing about the energetic shift in consciousness that allows us all to recognize ourselves as divine beings. So we do our part on planet Earth by going within and finding the authentic divine being that we are and living from that divine energy. Okay? I want to talk a little bit about how this works externally, and then I want to talk about how it works internally. Externally, it works like this. We are always communicating energetically with each other. Whether, you, whether we say that's like way too woo-woo or what, the idea is we are absolutely connecting energetically. We, we understand things about other people just by looking at them sometimes. And we would say, oh, I'm just judging, but turns out that what we thought was true was true. Um, that's our intuition. It is awareness of the other person. And the reason that works so well is because we are already connected to those other people. And so, of course, we can know them. We can know them intimately. Why is it that uh, an alcohol, um, an, uh, um, a person falls in love again and again with an alcoholic? It's because they're attracted to that energy. And they will always invariably say, I didn't know they were an alcoholic when I first met them, but I fell in love with them when I first met them. Well, guess what? You keep falling in love with the same type of person. What's going on there? Something in you knows that you're falling in love with an alcoholic and you are repeating that pattern. Something is, being, is, is, is connecting you only with alcoholics and nobody else. So that information is being sent out, and we are receiving it. And the reason we are being, receiving it and it is being sent out is because we are at a core level one with each other. And we can live that out in really dysfunctional ways, like being attracted to, to uh, a repetitive pattern that's not working for us, or we can uh, live that out energetically in terms of divinity. So, okay, externally what happens is if I'm communicating energetically, then what happens is every time I find peace, I'm offering peace to the world. Every time I live in peace, that impacts everyone in my world with peace. Every time I um, tap into that deep peace inside of me, and those of you who practice meditation know what I'm talking about. You've, You've been there. At least once you've been there where you get to this place where it's just so peaceful, it's like you can hear the hum of the universe. And in that place, we recognize who we are. That's, that is your connection to you, your essence, and your essence being divine. So that it, when you connect to that hum of the universe, you are connecting to something real. The problem is we don't believe ourselves. So we want to call it something different. I mean, who, who gets to talk about being divine? I mean, they, oof. You know, throw me in jail or, the, you know, padded cell, something. So we don't want to talk about that. So we just say, oh, well, I had a blissed out or I had peace or I really connected to something really universal today or whatever. 
but so we talk about it in those terms because we don't want to say I connected to my essence, which is my divine nature. We don't want to say that. So we don't. But that's what was happened. That's from the perspective of Andrea Matthews and several other people as well, that we've connected to who we are. And and so the more we do that, the more we offer it to the world. Okay, so okay, how does one connect to that essence? Meditation is definitely one of the ways. Being present in the moment is another way. Paying attention to what's going on right here, right now, in the moment, in your awareness. Right now, I'm looking out in my backyard through the windows and um, looking at some beautiful trees that have lost their leaves and the sun is shining on them and I'm really paying attention to the, the, the movement of the trees and the wind and it's almost like an oceanic movement. So that's a really blissful scene I'm looking out on and I can take that in and really tune into it, or I can just sort of absently notice it. And that's what we do most of the time, is we absently go through our lives. We don't pay attention to what's going on around us. We don't pay attention to how it feels to be in that place. And I will tell you my own personal experience is that every time I tap into the present, everything in me relaxes. I just get into another frame where I'm just not stressed out. I'm, um, I'm down here on earth. And I'm being right here in this moment, and I'm looking around, and I'm feeling the moment, and I'm experiencing my life in this moment right now. That's it. That's experiencing my divine essence. And it puts me in touch with uh, that central core place of me that's peaceful. That is my divine essence. So, um, yes, I can do it through meditation. I can do it through being present in the moment. I can do it through really looking at what kinds of things that I'm doing from... Um, from the ego that want to keep me in a dualistic frame of reference. I can really tune into that and go, look at that. Isn't that interesting how I'm tricking myself there? Isn't that interesting how I'm, I'm assuming that I can't have what I want? Isn't that interesting how I'm taking on this assumption as if it's real? I can look at that from the observer mode, and that puts me automatically in touch with that divine essence. So you see, uh, those are three methods we can use to sort of get back in touch or get in touch with, well, I would say get back in touch with who we really are. I believe that we came here as that essence, and what happened in the process of us trying to uh, identify with our parents and family and system, we got out of touch with that. So we definitely can get back in touch with it. So today we've talked about, is it possible to have peace on earth? And the answer is absolutely, absolutely. Tune in again next week. We're going to be talking to Shelly Kerr about the life you deserve. Start off the new year with a new thought about deserving a great life. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.